Well, hey there again. It's Coach Tim with another wonderful guest, great podcast on coaching football. And I have uh, an especially uh, interesting guest and an exciting guest for me because uh, I met this man as a player at the University of Pacific many, many moons ago. And uh, he was our offensive coordinator. And uh, his name is Greg Seaman. And he is with the Cleveland Browns presently. And, uh, but I want to just go over this impressive resume for just one second before I, I, uh, I bring him on. Uh, in 1977, he was a Bishop Shatar Bishop High School. Uh, by 81, he was at Purdue University. Uh, 82, uh, well, he was tight end in 81 and coached outside backers in 82. Uh, 83, went to Army. 80, uh, 85, 86, uh, he was the OC at Pacific and, and brought the, uh, the wishbone to the West Coast. And uh, that got a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of attention. And, uh, and, and we're going to talk about Pacific in a little bit. But uh, 87, 88, 80, 88, he went to Navy, 91 through 94, Akron as the OC, 95, 98, Cincinnati as the OC and QB coach, Miami in 1999. 2002, and he was the OC there. 2002, Dallas Cowboys, uh, uh, tight ends and offensive quality control coach. Uh, 2003, uh, Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff and uh, advanced uh, scouting. And 2004 through 15 with the Bengals as a scout uh, and uh, special projects. Uh, and 16, he uh, moved over with uh, Hugh Jackson. Uh, and he is now the tight ends coach at uh, the Cleveland Browns. Coach Seaman, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing great, Tim, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, did I get that kind of right? I mean, that's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just means I'm old. But, yes, you got it. You're, right, you're right on top of it, yeah. That's, that's very, very, very impressive. Um, before we get into the, the, the main topics of the show, I did want to go back to University of Pacific and uh, just mention, and we were kind of talking about this in pregame, at, you know, there are so many coaches that came through uh, homegrown uh, alumni coaches, either at the pro level at the high school level, like Coach Scotty Moe that we interviewed not too long ago, uh, and, uh, and uh, at the youth level, uh, as myself, most of my time has been at the youth, le- youth level. Uh, and there's a lot of guys like that, you know? I mean, lots of guys. And then there's also guys that, uh, that came in as, as coaches that, that, that kind of cut their teeth through Pacific. Um, w- would you like to talk about that just a little bit and, and what that experience there meant for you? Yeah, I, I was coaching outside linebackers at, uh, at Purdue, uh, and the defensive coordinator there was a guy named Bob Cope. And Bob had been an assistant coach at Pacific under Chester Caddis. And on that staff was Jim Coletto, who eventually became the offensive coordinator at UCLA and then the head coach at Purdue. Uh, and, and they coached Pete Carroll, uh, Greg Robinson, who had a long run as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, was on that team. Um, and so I, I knew about Pacific, uh, but didn't realize the richness of the, the coaching history until I got there. And uh, Bobby became the head coach at Pacific and, and asked me to come and, and be his offensive coordinator. And we uh, we had on that staff, uh, oh gosh, we had Ed Donatel, uh, who uh, has been a defensive coordinator in the NFL uh, on two or three occasions, won Super Bowl rings in uh, Denver, uh, where the uh, as a secondary coach and the the defensive coordinator on that great Denver team uh, was Greg Robinson, who all, who was a teammate of Pete Carroll's at Pacific, and then obviously Pete uh, did remarkable things at USC and continues. Uh, to do that. Uh, I hear from Chester Caddis every now and then. Chester probably has, uh, I don't know, eight or ten guys that uh, he kind of brought up in football that, that are currently coaching in the NFL. He had Buddy Ryan on his staff at one point. Uh, 
I Nick have. Holt, who's a, who was a teammate of yours and a, a terrific player, and is now the defensive coordinator at Purdue. And then, of course, Hugh was a was a teammate uh, also, and and has uh, done remarkable things uh, in the NFL, and and uh, uh, is the main reason I'm I'm where I am in Cleveland because I had a very comfortable situation in in Cincinnati. But comfortable is not always good for us, and uh, it's nice to have a, a challenge. And we certainly took one on and. and in the job here, but we're optimistic about where we're headed. But yeah, it is. Uh, I'm amazed when I go to the Senior Bowl or to the Combine, the number of people I run into that have some uh, coaching uh, background uh, associated with uh, UOP. It's a tremendous school and, and a wonderful uh, football tradition that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's a great wrap uh, on that. That's uh, it's it's. Every time I hear that, I'm blown away at, and mm-hmm. and proud that I have uh, a chance to be to be part of uh, that tradition, Coach. One of the things that uh, one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I, I know through uh, Scott Morrison and some others, you guys, you know, you guys do some pretty heavy duty uh, culture building in the NFL. You do uh, big team building. You're always looking for building leaders. And at, at the levels that I have been at, it seems that uh, we know that this stuff's a big deal, but it, it t- tends to fall into the world of cliche, <laughs> right. and yeah. there's really not a lot of meat on it. And so I was wondering if we could talk about a few of these things and, sure. and uh, how, 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 do you, how do you build a a team, you know, how, how do you get them? Cause I, I, let me back up. I've always been fascinated by guys that have all the talent in the world and they go against a team that doesn't have as much talent and the team without not as much talent wins. And a lot of times it's, they'll win pretty handily. And I, I scratch my head and go, how's, how's that happen? And I finally through, you know, learning from guys like you and, and, and my mentors that it's, it's about, culture building and team building. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm using the same words that you would use, but what, how do you guys do that? You know, we, uh, uh, we do exactly the same things that any organization, uh, that any uh, youth football team, high school, college, or pro team does. Uh, I am a firm believer that every one of us uh, wants to be a part of something that's special. Um, in our league, if you take a player uh, who's a, uh, a veteran player and he's kind of bounced around in the league and you send him currently to the New England Patriots, you will suddenly see him play at a, at a level um, that he probably hasn't shown before. And so why is that? And it's because of who they are, what, what the culture that they've built, the, the tradition and the expectation, the bar that they've set, and players go there and they assimilate into that, uh, and they uh, play the very best football of their careers. On the other side of that, if they don't, they don't get to stay there very long. And I think that's a part of, uh, of building any culture, any team, is there has to be a, a standard, and it, it, it comes down to the people that <clears throat> run that organization, whether it's the uh, owners, the front office, in our case, the coaches, certainly, um, that has to be communicated, uh, and it has to be communicated very clearly, and it has to be reinforced on a, on a daily basis. There has to be a consistency to that. And what you find with athletes is they want that. They want to be a part of something that's better than the competition. Uh, they're willing to make sacrifices to be a part of something that will, that will uh, distinguish them. Uh, everybody looks back on their career as a player or a coach, and, and they want to be proud of that career. And so uh, if you uh, are able to articulate to the players, this is what it's going to take for all of us to be successful. Uh, and this is the standard we're setting, and, and 
just have no mistake up front, uh, this is what we need you to do, uh, and we're going to enable you to do that. We're going to give you things to do that you're capable of, and I think that's a key point. There are coaches that have a system, and uh, when the players can't be successful in that system, they tend to blame the players, and in reality, that's a coaching fault uh, my greatest experience in coaching uh, was in 1983 and 84. I had been at Purdue University. We had had a run of uh, NFL quarterbacks, and, and we were maybe a little ahead of the game going no huddle and using the shotgun, using empty formations, and it was pretty good stuff. And uh, my mentor, Jim Young, who had retired at Purdue uh, briefly, came out of retirement and took the job at Army and asked me to go with him, and I was thrilled to have that chance to go with him, and we went there, and we put in our system, and we immediately lost uh, to people like Colgate and Harvard. Uh, we won two games. We were terrible, uh, embarrassed by Navy and Matt McCallum and the only Army-Navy game played in the Rose Bowl in 1983. And we came in after the season, and we were all belittling our players, and uh, woe is me, what are we doing here? You know, these guys uh, can't compete. And uh, Jim Young came in and promptly ripped our butts and said, you know, this is, number one, it's my fault, uh, because we're asking our players to do something that they can't possibly do. And uh, he told us that we were going to put in the wishbone offense. And we all looked at him like he was crazy because we had nobody in the room had ever coached it. And we all got homework assignments. I went to, in my case, I went to Mississippi State and visited with Emory Ballard, who was the head coach there. He had invented the offense. And I spent a week with him. And then I went to UCLA and uh, had a book in hand that Homer Smith had written um, back when Pepper Rogers was the head coach and they were running the wishbone and Homer had written this book about it. So we all went out, we gathered that oh. information, we came back, uh, we, uh, people had visited Auburn and Alabama and Oklahoma and all the places that were running the offense and we, we uh, coached one another. And we said, okay, you know, Auburn's doing this with Bo Jackson and, and Lionel Little Train James. Those things won't work for us, but these plays will. And so we, we uh, at the end, decided, okay, this is the version of the wishbone that we can run and we can be good at this. And uh, I moved to the – I'd been coaching tackles and tight ends. I moved to the running back position, uh, which was awesome on that offense, obviously. You had three of them. And uh, we found a fullback who is now a, uh, a full colonel in the uh, Army, Doug Black, who uh, was the heavyweight boxing champion of the academy. Was He was – like 15th team on the football team. We made him our fullback, and we found a, uh, a, a defensive back, Nate Sassaman, who had been a, a, an option quarterback up in Oregon in high school. We made him the quarterback. Well, they both gained over 1,000 yards in 1984. Uh, we won our first game against Colgate, who had beaten us the year before. In the second week, uh, we had to go to Knoxville to play the University of Tennessee, and they were good as usual. But they had not spent one moment uh, preparing for us. And we, uh, we ended up in a 24-24 tie. Uh, and we went on to lead the nation in rushing. We, we beat uh, Navy. We beat Air Force. And we went to the first bowl game in the history of West Point, And we beat Michigan State. And uh, we weren't as talented, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that kind of team. But we'd given our players uh, – something that they could believe in. And we, uh, Hugh has a great saying, you know, when we're going to turn this thing around, we need to have our players, uh, we need to give them little victories every day. Uh, they, they have to feel as if they are progressing. And that's what happened with that Army team. Uh, uh, certainly the Tennessee game, even though it wasn't a win, it was such a remarkable performance. We were like, I don't know, 28-point underdogs, you know, coming in, that they they – gained confidence, and it's because we had given them something to do that, that they were capable of, and then we held them to a very high standard. You know, we couldn't afford to be a team that turned the ball over. Uh, we couldn't be a, a team that had penalties. Um, so those were things that were really emphasized, and as time went on, uh, they gained great confidence in it. And every team that I've been a part of, uh, it's up to the coaches to 
learn enough uh, about the game of football and the various strategies and the tactics, the tactics within the strategies to give your players a chance to be successful. Uh, if they can do that, and, and if you then hold them to a standard of performance because now you've allowed them to do things they can do, so we ought to be able to do that really well. Um, and, and so that standard has to be maintained day after day after day. And I think that breeds uh, uh, confidence, and, and then confidence uh, leads to uh, enhanced performance. And so I think, you know, those kinds of uh, approaches are, are really, really important. So, because if I'm hearing the one part I wanted to repeat, mm-hmm. I think it needs to be, to be repeated, is that you said because you've given them the chance to be successful, you can ha- you can hold them to a standard. So on the other side of it, it's not really fair to hold a person to a standard that they're they're already started off lo- losing. They have no chance really to to win. So how can you hold them to to a high standard? Whereas, correct? Yeah, you're exactly right, and and that's what uh, that's the terrible error. And I use that example of '83 and '84 because I think it's a great lesson. Uh, That's the terrible error that we made in in 1983. We just uh, really uh, looked past what uh, we were asking these guys to do, and and uh, it was hard for them to accept criticism from us uh, when, in their own heart, you know, when they would sat down uh, alone and thought about their own abilities relative to the guys we were going to play, they they knew we were asking them to do something that would be very, very hard uh, for them to do. And that's not fun. And, and you know, ultimately, everything, you want it to be a positive experience. And uh, the positive experience comes from uh, uh, feeling confident and having success. And uh, the very next year, those same kids uh, were, you know, leading the nation in rushing, and they would look at the teams we were playing, and, and you guys can't stop us. We're going to do this. We're going to rush for 330 or 40 yards on you today, and there's nothing you can do about it. The year before, uh, you know, they were hoping that they could be successful, and that was that was purely an error on our part, uh, coaching our system and not coaching our players. Uh, and then that leads to player engagement. You know, you have feedback from guys and getting to know your players, and not just. Uh, uh, you know, seeing them for a couple hours on the practice field and an hour in a meeting, uh, what's going on in their life, and letting them know that, that you're uh, interested and concerned for them. Uh, all, of that, uh, all of that ties together, and I thought uh, uh, those two years really uh, uh, set the foundation for what I believed, uh, what I came to believe uh, about coaching. That's uh, interesting. So how... How, how do you put all this together? Let's, let's just say we're, we're starting a new team, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a brand-new team, yep. and, and yep. you bring in your guys, and you know what you want, so we don't need to mm-hmm. talk too much about that. But mm-hmm. other than uh, you, you, you want the guy that bench presses 900 pounds and squats 900 <laughs> pounds and runs a shuttle and whatever, mm-hmm. and you know, the four, you, you, you know yeah. the numbers as a scout, but – what, what about those intangibles? What, do those matter in in the long run, or is it just, hey, I want a guy that runs a four one, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah I, I think they're they're probably the most important uh, part of it when you when you say that okay, here are the pool of players that have enough ability. And now within that pool, there are some at the you know at the highest end and, and some at the lowest end, but all of these guys have the ability to be successful for you. So, all right, what do we do now? Well, we, we have to kind of establish what's, what are the personality types that we're looking for, uh, what are we going to, uh, certainly what are the, the physical skills, but over the long haul of the season and, and the, the difficulties that that brings with it, you know, fatigue and injury and uh, the, the mental demands, do they have an, ap- an aptitude uh, for the football game? You, you try to evaluate uh, overall uh, where do we want to be and, and what, what kind of player exemplifies uh, what we want our team to be. Not all of them will will be that person, but you have to establish what your core values are. 
and the the heartbeat of your locker room, uh, the core people in the locker room, they have to represent those values because they will bring others along with them. Uh, if you don't have that core group of people uh, who believe the way that, that you believe about the game, and, and generally that means they're disciplined, they're hardworking, they're accountable, they're good teammates, they are, they are willing to uh, you know, subvert their own personal goals for the betterment of the team, uh, if those are the guys that, that make the, the core group of your team and they're, they're kind of the heartbeat of the team, then any fringe players that maybe they haven't quite bought in yet, they have some ability or maybe they have a lot of ability and could kind of go either way, uh, they'll tend to follow the tone set uh, by, that, uh, by that core group of people. So you, you certainly have to have a group that, that has uh, enough ability to be successful, but uh, far beyond that is, uh, and they talk about chemistry and, and that kind of thing, but far beyond that, those are the guys that are going to really be uh, the leaders of your football team. And, and, and that, I think, is probably the key area. Uh, in our league, obviously, you have to have uh, a quarterback, um, and, and they're very hard to find, but even a guy with... Uh, uh, not marginal talent, but average talent, uh, if he has the people skills and the determination and uh, some charisma about him, uh, he can lead a group of guys who are willing to be led. He cannot lead guys that don't want to be led. And that's the hard part, sorting that out as, a, as an organization. Well, as, as an organization, uh, how do you sort that out? I mean, do you have like some sort of psychological evaluation or uh, do you have a, some sort of hoops that would identify people with, with this kind of mindset? Yeah. Uh, well, you certainly do uh, everything for the draftable guys. And, yes, you, they, they, you have a psychological profile on everyone. Um, you, what, what, I, what I find is that given time, uh, all of us will reveal who we really are. And so mm-hmm. you want to, you, you go to the people that have been around them the most, uh, and you just spend time. You talk to lots and lots of people, and you, you ask the same questions at spaced intervals, uh, to, of people that have known the, the player. And you try to find out if those, uh, you notice if those answers have remained, uh, consistent. Um, Players that you have on your own team. In our case, uh, if I'm, uh, if we're looking at a tight end from uh, school A, and uh, we've got a second-year player on our team who's also from school A, uh, normally that's a guy I want to have lunch with and uh, talk with him, and and he will, um, he'll have a certain amount of loyalty to the player back at his alma mater, but he has more loyalty to the team and the locker mm-hmm. room that he's currently on. And um, generally, that can be a pretty good resource. Coaches, you know, in this business, you get to know one another. Uh, we know a lot of the college and, and uh, college coaches, and, and so you can oftentimes there's somebody on the staff that uh, will talk to you more frankly uh, once the season's over. Um, uh, and even then, uh, you don't know how uh, – being in professional football and, and having uh, maybe going from not having a checking account to suddenly having a seven-figure checking account, uh, how that might affect the player. And so you rely on your on your veterans, uh, the guys that have established themselves in the in the NFL and uh, are uh, kind of an example of, of what you think uh, a player should be, and, and you assign them younger guys. I, I uh, Really? We have an interesting, yeah, we have an interesting uh, strength coach. Adam Beard uh, is an Aussie uh, who trained Olympic athletes, professional uh, rugby players, and others, and then migrated uh, literally into the NFL a few years ago. And he runs our strength program. And he, uh, uh, a year ago, uh, made me aware of a book called Legacy. And Legacy is the story, the history of the most successful professional sports franchise in the world, the New Zealand rugby, professional rugby team, the All Blacks. And uh, the book's phenomenal. 
uh, and it's all about uh, team and culture building. And one of the things that that they rely upon and uh, is uh, storytellers. They they think it's so important that those that had been a part of their legacy before have relationships with the ones that are a part of it now. That they tell the oh, wow. story of the all blacks. This is what we were, this is what we became, this is the standard, and this is why you will live up to that standard because you're one of us now. Um, and it's uh, very powerful. And they have been in existence, I think, since the late 19th century, uh, uh, at least uh, maybe early 20th, but over 100 years. They've won more championships in their sport uh, in the world than any team, including the New York Yankees and uh, uh, Manchester United and all of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, story. But, uh, and, and it's an interesting story because I brought that to my uh, tight ends, and I've got a, uh, a good group of, of guys. I, I have a, a Princeton grad and I have a USC grad who this semester, Randall Telfer is finishing up his uh, MBA there. And then I have a young man, David Njoku, whose family uh, migrated, uh, mom and dad migrated from Nigeria and are quite successful in business. And they're are like nine kids, and one's a brain surgeon, one's an attorney, one's an engineer, and it's just an amazing group. And I brought this to them. Oh, achievers! <laughs> yeah, I told I told David. I said, you know, David, you're the you're a first round draft pick in the NFL, and, and you're the low achiever in your family. And right. he laughed. He said, he said, I know. And, you know, he left uh, Miami of Florida early, and he said, I've got to get that degree. You know, like immediately, or my mom and dad are going to kill me. But in the in the discussion, having this kind of conversation with them, uh, one of the points that came up, and, and I, I've come to really believe this, that as human beings, we are all, uh, uh, in our very nature, uh, we're tribal. Um, when we're yeah. kids, the, the tribe is the family unit, and, and then that has certain qualities that, that the family instills in us. Uh, good or bad or indifferent. And then as we mature and we go to school and we become adolescents, um, we, we join other groups and they have their own set of values and standards. And all the way through uh, adulthood, uh, we tend to uh, be with people that represent the values that, that we uh, feel are our own. And so with a team, you're bringing in uh, essentially people from all these different tribes that, that uh, while they have the one kind of common theme of football, they may have come from very different uh, organizations or very different ways of thinking about it. And, and so that gets back to the original point of we bring the group together, and so it's very important that we identify for them at the outset. These are the things that we value. Um, if you want to be a part of our team, uh, these are the things that we think are really important, and you're here because we know you can do these things. Uh, but now it's competitive, and, and not everyone will make it. So we want you to understand what we're looking for and what our expectations are from the outset. And then our job as coaches is to enable you. To, to help you do those things as well as you can possibly do them so that you can be a part of this group. Um, and if you fall short, then we have to identify that for you immediately. And we also have to uh, provide uh, a path. You know, okay, this is where we're, we're not getting uh, A, B, or C done, but here's how we can fix that and, and then help you in that regard. Um, and in that way, it's always a positive motivation. We are trying uh, to help you become uh, what you can be and help you within the framework of our team accomplish the goals that you'd like to accomplish and, and overall the goals that we want to accomplish. And um, I, I think when you do that, uh, everybody understands the rules. And as long as they are consistently uh, reinforced or enforced, uh, then you don't have you don't have issues and you can move forward as, as a group because everyone understands what they are uh, accountable for to the to themselves to their teammates to the coaches to the organization. Uh, but it's shocking to me how often those things aren't clearly presented at the outset. And and when that's the case, uh, everyone kind of vies for their own position or stakes out their own territory. 
uh, and that never benefits the team. So it's an easy thing to describe, but uh, in practice it can be a difficult thing to do if you don't have people as coaches or leaders in the locker room who are willing to confront and discuss um, issues as they come up. And I, I thought that was one of the great things about the, the, the All Blacks was this idea that, that – uh, the, the legacy of who we are, what we represent, and how we go about our business is presented to you by the coaches, by the leadership, but also by the storytellers, the guys that come back and, and say, you need to listen to this. This is where I was. It helped me get to this point. Now I'm no longer a part of this organization, but I am taking with me things that I learned about having a plan, setting goals, working every day toward those goals, being uh, self-aware being a good teammate, uh, and they just reinforce all of that. So, uh, uh, so I think those are all the things that go together. The team is a, is a living uh, being of its own. It changes, and you have to be aware of uh, what, it's, what the pressures on it are, uh, how people are falling short, who's, who's uh, uh, succeeding, and, and who might you pair in a mentoring relationship with with another player who you who you value but isn't there yet, uh, those are things that require thought and attention. You know, really on a daily basis. You know, you one thing that uh, you said was you talked about rules. These are the rules. We talked about core values and values, and, and uh, I think we all know what rules mean. I think that's pretty straightforward. But values is something that uh, I think. Uh, we th- it's one of those words that you think you know what it means, but I think everybody kind of sometimes has a different idea of what it means. Can can you say uh, what does it mean to you, and then and then how how do you come up with those? Where do those values come from, and then how do you translate it to the next step, which is like I tell me if I'm wrong, setting the rules, and which ends up really kind of defining the culture that you that you're going for but if I'm, I'm i don't want to put words in your mouth but that's the way that i understand it so how do you how do you create those values where, do, where are they coming from they come from the team um we uh, uh had a great experience uh, a year or so ago we brought in uh, a, a team of about a half dozen uh former navy seals uh, probably no better team in the world and uh, they shared, uh, spent a lot of time with them and, and with our players. Um, and, and a lot of it was just open discussion. And the, the SEALs uh, have a, a written ethos uh, that each individual signs on to. And the ethos uh, now is well established. But uh, what we did uh, with our football team is we – we gave the veterans, obviously, a, a strong voice uh, and the coaches, but we asked that very question, what do we want to be? If we want to win a world championship, uh, we can identify for you, you know, these are the things that world championship teams do. You know, they they uh, don't turn the ball over. They get turnovers. They play good defense. You know, they don't, they're not penalized heavily and blah, blah, blah. You can go down the list. But how do we get there and and how do we set the standard and uh, so the players and the coaches worked together and and we established uh, a criteria Uh, you know what is a Cleveland Brown for example Uh, and and what are the things that we value and we value things like uh, consistency uh, things like uh, effort things like knowledge uh, things like preparation Um, and so every group is probably a little bit different, but uh, playing uh, like a pro, what does that mean? Uh, it, you know, it, it means being prepared and giving your best effort and talking every day uh, about these things with your teammates, being willing to hold a teammate accountable who's falling short of that. So uh, I think that, that it has to be uh, something that the players are involved in as well at least, at least at our level, they're, they're pretty mature guys. Um, and then once it's agreed upon, 
it's very easy to, to hold everyone accountable to it because we all signed on to it. We all put our name there and said, yes, this is what I believe in. Uh, and so now rules, uh, you, don't have, you don't have many. Uh, because if it's mm-hmm. something that you're, you're about to do that's going to violate the values of the team, uh, it's wrong. Um, it's as simple, you know, the Patriots have a, uh, certainly they're, our, they're the model, they're what we all aspire to, and they have a very simple phrase, you know, do your job. Uh, your job will uh-huh. be given to you, it'll be described in great detail. Uh, your job is to be the best right guard on the punt team, and, and that means this, this particular week, uh, blocking this individual, uh, being in this coverage lane, uh, having your helmet on this side of the returner uh, as you approach. So it's identified. It's uh, Everyone understands it. Uh, I think it's imperative uh, in any organization that accountability be uh, in front of the group. So and that's where the you know the old the old team meetings where you're watching the uh, practice or the game tape and you're you're sitting there thinking in three plays I remember what I did and I hope he doesn't see it uh, and inevitably <laughs> the coach is going to and he's going to point it out in front of the group uh, and at the same time you know when somebody does something that uh, reinforces those values a great effort or a wonderful block or a wonderful pass rush or tackle you know then you want to reinforce that in front of the group so. You you can't simply you know hand out a piece of paper and say well these are our values and these are our rules okay everybody got it that does nothing it has to be a thing that is uh, uh, there every single day and it just becomes a part of uh, how everyone uh, behaves how they act how they work in the organization and um, and that's it's born yeah. from. Uh, if I'm hearing you right, it's born from the collective. It's not like dictated, yes. right? You're not I, like I, yeah, that's right. I, I think that it can't be. I, I think that there's an old saying. Um, uh, oh gosh, this might all go back to uh, Thoreau, but the saying is, "A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still," and yeah. that's the truth. You know, if you just tell somebody, "Okay, by God, this is it. You'll do it, or you'll like it." Um, you haven't gotten very far with that person. Uh, if, if you're uh, that far apart, uh, you really do need to engage that person one-on-one. You, you need to talk to them, uh, understand where they're coming from. Uh, there's a level where there can be no compromise, uh, but oftentimes it just takes communication, and uh, that doesn't mean dictation. Uh, and so I think that we... You know, a lot of times coaches, uh, uh, we fail in that regard uh, because we don't take the time to to really uh, talk with the uh, with the athlete and and help them to understand where we're coming from. And you know, not infrequently, uh, they will make a point that you're thinking, oh, well, you know. I understand that's there's some validity to that. Now, you know, we're not going to compromise a a core value, but if there's something that has been presented in a way that uh, uh, conflicts with that, or uh, the player just doesn't see as fair, and fairness is important, uh, it's good that we're aware of that, and and now we can maybe take a, a little bit different path uh, uh, with the group, or at least with that individual, to getting you know where you'd like him to be. So yeah, the collective group um, has to be you know the term the, the the cliche is you know they've got to buy in. Uh, mm. And and that doesn't mean that you compromise your overall standard. If you're the person in charge and you know what that standard needs to be, um, but you need everyone to have that same belief, uh, or at least accept that same belief. And and that takes more than just a handout. That that takes time and engagement, and and showing them examples why. And again, I would reflect back to the the All Blacks, that's where their storytellers come in. Uh, the storyteller can come in to, uh, you know, the old guy come in and talk to the young guy and say, hey, you know what, I, I know, I see you out there, and you don't really buy this stuff, but I'm just telling you, I was right where you were, and I'm just hanging there, listen, do what they tell you to do, because this stuff works. And, you know, those guys can, can really uh, – 
uh, move the message forward. Uh, they have a different uh, a different voice. That that all black thing. I'm going to read that book. That's that's compelling. Yeah. They have a narrative. The author's name is yeah. The author's name is Kerr K E R R, and I the I uh, the first name is escaping me right now. But he was embedded with them. Uh, and and there are videos. Uh, it, it, there's blends uh, with the all the way back into the warrior culture of the group. So they do a. Uh, you can find this easily uh, on YouTube. They do a uh, a pre-match. You know, uh, it would be kind of like you know talking trash, but it's a, yep. it's this hundreds of year old tradition where they come out and they do a chant and a, a ritual dance at midfield looking at their opponent and it's very intense and basically the it says i am an all black this is what i stand for i am the product of you know centuries of uh pride and heritage and i will not fail my descendants and you know, boom 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 and you watch the other team on the other side and go, my god <laughs> what are we up against uh, what leverage and, uh, well, I tell yeah, you, the, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard of that, the haka, and uh, I have a... The haka is exactly right, yes. Yeah, my my uh, my defensive coordinator for all those years when I was a head coach in youth, mm-hmm. he uh, played rugby at UCLA, and uh, it was right, I think, at the beginning of rugby kind of getting big in, in, uh, mm-hmm. out, out, out here, and, uh, and the All Blacks were visiting. And the way that Duke says it is hilarious. <laughs> they line up, right? Just what you said. They line up and face you and, and do this, this, uh, this mm-hmm. tradition, this, this mantra. Mm-hmm. And I said, coach, what, what did you do? And he, he says, I, 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 we lost. We were already done. It was over with. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it was, it was over with. It, there's no way. Right. It was such a shock. Um, that's, that's funny. Yeah, I've got to get that book. I, I appreciate that because I, the power of story is, is so, such a big deal. I mean, everything in our culture in building a culture is, is through story. And so to, to actually have storytellers within your, your team, it's got to be powerful. Um, one of the most, one of the most recent, uh, Collegiate dynasties, and it goes back a ways now. But if you think about the uh, the U, uh, Miami uh, of Florida, when they had their great run, uh, uh-huh. and Michael Irvin and and that whole crew, uh, those guys, as they entered the NFL, they were always back at Miami. There there was somebody from those teams back on that sideline or back at practices seemingly on a daily basis and they were always there to send the message you know yeah we're kind of outlaws and people are afraid of us but we win and we're this is how you play and we dominate you know and the orange bowl was rocking and shaking and all that stuff but those were their storytellers those were the guys that that came back and reinforced what it meant to be uh, a part of those great uh, hurricane teams and i i think that uh, uh, in any organization, uh, being part of a legacy adds a, uh, a level of, of obligation to how you fit into the organization. Yeah. 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 That's a good word. Obligation. I love that. Um, so let me ask you this. What, what is a coach? Because I've heard a lot from you all to write. This, this is the funny thing is, you know, if, if, if a mom is listening to this, right, is, well, this guy's not a coach. He sounds like a psychologist or something, <laughs> you know. Yeah. What, so what is a coach? Uh, a coach is, is uh, you know, we used to say a coach is a teacher, and I think that's a very, very big part of it. But a, a coach is um, uh, an enabler. Uh, in the positive sense, uh, a, mo- a motivator, um, a standard bearer, uh, certainly a teacher. Um, you, you as a coach, uh, have a passion uh, for the sport, and that passion has to be rooted in something that's more than the sport. It, it's, it's a challenge to take a, a group of young men and help them and push them 
and, and drive them in some cases to, to be the very best that they can be at that sport and, and at the same time, uh, oftentimes unbeknownst to the player, uh, teach them how to set goals, uh, develop a plan for, for reaching that goal, um, making the decisions in regards to uh, particularly time management, what, what blocks of time are you willing to sacrifice uh, to, uh, to get to where you want to go? You, you know, I, I give the guys, I give the guys uh, a handout every year, and it's, uh, it's Ben Franklin's uh, daily schedule. Uh, he might have put it in Poor Richard's Almanac. It's certainly in a couple of his biographies, but but it, it just laid out his schedule. I mean, th- this is a guy who uh, was a scientist, inventor, philosopher, politician. Uh, I mean, just everything. And uh, he had a very simple daily schedule. You know, he would get up and and he had written down his to do list the, for the day, things that I want to accomplish, and then he blocked it out and and. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it said, uh, what good have I done today? And he would recount, he would do a summary of, of uh, uh, his day's activities, and did they match up with that to-do list at the beginning of the day? Again, easy to, dry, you know, to write down, hard to do. And uh, my point in saying that to, to the, my players is that we all have these goals that are out there. My job is to help you get to them, but my job is also to help you understand that that goal that, that is out in front of you requires attention on a hourly basis. And so let's talk about this. You know, How are we going to get you from where you are to where you want to be, and how is that going to be measurable uh, day by day, week by week, month by month? And as long as we can work together on those uh, in that regard, um, you know, we can get you to your goal. And then later you're able to say to that person, uh, you know, football's terminal. Uh, you're not going to get to play it uh, very long, but do you realize what you've just learned about yourself and, and how you might apply that in, in anything that you choose to do in your life's work uh, going forward? Um, and I, I think those are the things that, that motivate coaches, that coaches need to feel great about. You know, if they help that guy be a better football player and then in, by an extension of that, uh, be able to go out and, into the real world and, and use some of those same values and, and the same work ethic, same organizational skills, same discipline uh, to be successful in other areas, now you've really accomplished something. And I take, uh, you've mentioned uh, UOP, uh, as you said, I mean, my gosh, Tim, how many of the guys on that football team are successful coaches, but successful in business. Mike McMaster down in Orange County is doing great things. I mean, just go on and on. Uh, yeah. You know, Steve Clowney's a coach. You're a coach. Scott Morrison's a coach. Hugh's a coach. Uh, it's uh, uh, so as a coach, you look at the group of guys like yourself, and you say, you know, that that's why you do this. And we do. You have to be all things, uh, whatever's necessary to help the player uh, get to where he wants to go. That bless you for for pointing that out. Um, I'm I'm glad that that you believe that because um, there's I, I you know you you don't see it all the time, but you see guys more too many times that have played ball and and I I look and, and I ask myself I mean didn't what did you learn anything what yeah. <laughs> what's going on you didn't learn from the game the game can teach so much in my opinion. So that, that actually is another one of my questions. Uh, I was going to ask you, is football important beyond the game or is it just the game? Maybe you can elaborate a little bit further. Football is just a game. Uh, and uh, it's important beyond that. But one of the, one of the other lessons that, that has to be taught is that uh, football is, is what I as a coach or what you as a player, it's what we do. It is not and cannot be who we are um, uh, in, our, in our league because the money's so big, uh, people will, uh, a player might have great success uh, early in his career and, and be showered with uh, attention and, and uh, money. Uh, and if he allows himself to 
take that as his identity, it oftentimes leads down a really bad path, uh, become uncoachable, bad teammate, uh, poor in relationships, uh, this inflated uh, self-image. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, a guy who uh, fails, uh, you know, I think of uh, kickers. They're, they, they're in the most precarious position. Uh, they go out and they miss some kicks, and uh, if they allow that to become who they are, uh, they can sink into deep depressions and, and turn to uh, ways of self-medicating to, uh, you know, avoid this feeling. So uh, that's one of the lessons to be taught, that this is a game, and it's important because we're, we're putting ourselves into it, and uh, we want to be the very best we can be. And by nature, if we're in this game, we're competitive. You know, there, it takes a, a, a huge amount of physical courage to play this game. It's not for everybody, um, but it is a game. And so what can I take from that? I can take pride in my accomplishments. I can take pride in being a good teammate. I can take pride in the fact that I was able to play the game. Not many can. But mostly I need to take from it the lessons of uh, how, to, uh, how to get the most out of whatever abilities I have in every area of my life, uh, how to be a good teammate. And as I step away from football, that may mean working in an organization. That may mean helping people that are less privileged than myself in the community. Uh, those are the, the things that we really try to, even in our league, which is such a business, we, the good teams, uh, everybody, uh, the best players, uh, subjugate themselves to the team. And, and they work outside of the game in the same way. They're not driven by ego. They're driven by uh, accomplishment and uh, uh, taking on a task and doing it as well as they can, finding a situation and trying to make it better than it was before they got there. Uh, those are the kinds of uh, attributes and values that, that uh, you hope uh, that guys take away from, from the game. And, and uh, even at our level, uh, you know, guys are going to leave this game in, at 30 years of age uh, or before oftentimes. And, and uh, if they have learned those things, uh, they can carry them on to the other aspects of their life and, and be very successful. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out, and uh, and and we're we're underlining that and bolding it because uh, that's in my book. That's that's why I coach is and, yes. and I and and really is to to pass it on. I, I had a coach uh, before I, I got to Pacific, and uh, I might have come back from Pacific uh, a recruiting trip there, and I was mm-hmm. walking on the football field with uh, one of my D lineman teammates. He was a freshman. I was a sophomore at El Camino. And mm-hmm. uh, we run right into our, uh, our, uh, our coach, our D line coach. And he goes, so what are you, what are you boys up to? You know? And, and, he, and so my teammate goes, well, uh, Keefe is, is uh, <clears throat> he just got back from a trip. We're talking about scholarships, scholies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he goes, well, he goes, you, uh, you take care of your school and your footballing, and then when you're all done with that, you come on back and give it back. There you go. And, uh, man, mm-hmm. that never left me. Never yeah, left me. And that's a coach that, that cared about you and cared about the future of his program and was asking you to be a storyteller, was asking you to come back and, and help others you know, take the path that you did. And, and I'm sad to say that in this business uh, – Particularly today in coaching, the money has gotten so big that that uh, not ever, not not as many coaches, I don't think, um, are necessarily in it uh, for those reasons. I had a uh, uh, I had left a school a number of years ago uh, to take another job, and I had a young quarterback that I had coached, and um, he called me in the spring. Uh, of that first year that I was gone, and he was very upset. And I, I asked him what had happened. And the the guy that had replaced me, who currently is his uh, head coach at a uh, major university, uh, he said, Coach, he said, I, I don't know what to do. He, he said, about twice a week we have these quarterback meetings, and and uh, his phone will ring, and he'll ask us to uh, to, to step outside of his office and he closes the door. He said, but we can hear him. And he's in there talking about uh, trying to get another job and how much he hates it here. And, you know, it's not uh, where he wants to be. And, 
I uh, ended up, you know, you, you counsel the guy, uh, the player, because you care about him, but uh, that's, uh, he ended up having a, a terrible experience uh, because the coach was about the coach and not about the players, and resultantly they, they weren't very good. Um, so it, it, not everybody's in it for the right reasons, but I think when it's right, like we said at the outset, everybody wants to be part of something that's special, and it's special when everybody's on the same page, everybody's driving uh, you know, in the same direction and has the same core beliefs and values, or they've come to believe those things, uh, then it, it's beautiful, it's fun, it's, it's a, a great like magic art. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful is the word you use. It, it, it is. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been lucky to be a part of a few of those, and, and uh, yeah. just, it's, you're just watching magic happen. You know, it's just it's great. Uh, yep. Well, I, w- I want to ask you, what legacy do you wish to leave behind when you finish coaching? I, I think um, I, uh, I want to be able to say that I gave the game and my players uh, the best of my abilities, that the players that I coached um, benefited from, from my, my technical knowledge, but more so from things that I could show them that, that carried over in, into the rest of their lives. Um, I, I take, uh, I take great uh, pride and and and, uh, and a lot of really good feeling uh, when I talk to guys uh, like yourself, like Scott Morrison, like countless other guys that that I hear from uh, that that are that that are happy uh, for the experience that they had, that that feel like it benefited them, benefited them in some way. Um, the, those are the things that are most lasting. So again, it's cliches, but it's it's the relationships. It's uh, time spent uh, when things are bad and when things are good, and overcoming adversity or coming back from injury, um, and helping somebody, you know, achieve something that that they really want and maybe didn't know how to do. Um, so it's a quiet. It would be a very quiet legacy. It's uh, a personal. Uh, in that regard, I, I think those are the things that that would matter most to me. It's if, if people that I worked with uh, feel that I uh, did right by them and that I helped them in some way, uh, that's something that probably just them and myself will will ever know. But it's the most important part of whatever legacy I, I think there might be. That's beautiful, Coach. I, I, I love it. Normally, I, I'd want to just end on that because that was so good, but I, I want to bring it back <laughs> to Pacific. I want to bring it back yeah. to Pacific really quick, and I'll tie it into sure. something we were talking about a second ago. Um, so I was listening, and I, I quote this all the time. I was listening to uh, an audio that Tony Robbins did of the great John Wooden, and I think it was yeah. Wooden's last interview, in fact. And uh, the part that that lives with me, it just want, I, I keep I keep thinking about it is <clears throat> when asked about his winnings and stuff, and he'll 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 talk about the kids later on in their life as lawyers, doctors, ministers, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you know, leaders of, of of society, right? And so, in order to to tell that story, he said. Uh, there's a football coach, Amos Alonzo Stagg. He goes, I never knew him, but I knew of him, and he, and he influenced me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the kids these days don't know who Amos Alonzo Stagg no. was, but at one time he was winning as football coach in, 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 in football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he coached at Pacific in, I think, uh, the 40s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 40s. His career, yeah. And uh, the, the high, local high schools named after him and whatnot. The stadium used to be called. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there. So the story goes, as Wooden tells it, that that Amos Alonzo Stag, Coach Stag, was asked about uh, what he thought about his kids' success success this season, and he said, "I won't know for another twenty years." Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, uh, sure. I, that's, that's deep. And I, I, I told that to Scott, and he, he goes, oh, I quote that all the time, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. You know, yes. It's, it's great stuff. But, hey, Coach, man, you just laid down some wisdom and truth and, yeah. and knowledge, and, and it's, this is something for any coach that, that cares, uh, that needs to study, and I really deeply appreciate you giving us your time. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to, to get a chance to visit with you. I'm proud of you and, and your teammates, all the guys at Pacific have, have uh, just done great things. And uh, this has been fun, really has. Thank you, Tim. Well, thank you, and best of luck. And, and to, tell, tell Coach Jackson I said hello. Go Tigers, sure go Browns. And, there you uh, go. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon, Coach. All right, Tim. All right, thank, Tim. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you.